Major General Brett Sylvia got a pretty intense welcome to leadership of Fort Campbell and the 101st Airborne Division. 21 days in the training field with Operation Lethal Eagle, which landed during a heat wave followed by thunderstorms. This week, the new Eagle 6 joins Katie Gamble and Charlie Kuhn on Clarksville's conversation to talk about his priorities and what it's like to know he'll join the wall of portraits of Fort Campbell generals. Clarksville's conversation is powered by FNM Bank. Well, Katie, how many times have you used the words Eagle Six? Um, never. Well, you're about to, because that's who we've got Eagle with us today. Eagle Six. Absolutely. Okay, what does that mean exactly? So, uh, Eagle's call sign. So okay. That's, uh, that's what we go by. That's what we've gone by for years. And uh, and Six designates the commander at every at every echelon. So, I'm mm-hmm. Eagle Six, which, if you ask me, is the coolest call sign that anybody could ever have. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's the coolest call sign. It's the coolest patch in the Army. It's just... Huh. It's You know, I, I asked this question. So I think I've asked you before, but what's it like to have the best job in the Army? Every day I wake up and I am thankful uh, to, to not only be uh, in charge of the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault, uh, but to also be back here at uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, and for those that were at the change command, I said, it is a dream come true mm-hmm. to be able to have this position and, and to be here um, in the most powerful division in the world. Most powerful. Katie, oh, don't yeah. you love that? Just the sound of that. Oh, I love the word powerful. <laughs> and to be, I mean, well, mm. w- there's a lot of pride in Fort Campbell because we know that there's a lot of history there yeah. and um, yeah. they're important to our community. For multiple reasons. Well, you know, so. you, you use the words to be back. Yes. So, and I know you've been here, but but tell Katie, tell us what be back means. What have you done here at Fort Campbell and what got you back here? Yeah. Um, so I am 77 days into command. So today is my 77th day mm-hmm. um, and it uh, it is absolutely flying by. Um, but we came back here uh, and, and, uh, and I got to take command of the division. Uh, and uh, be the senior. So two hats, you know, hat number one, commanding general, 101st Airborne Division Air Assault, uh, and then a senior commander for uh, for Fort Campbell. Uh, so we've got about 20,000 soldiers that are in the division. Uh, we've got about 30,000 soldiers plus 8,000 8, uh, 8, civilians that work there on Fort Campbell uh, that I have some responsibility for, to include 53,000 family members. Uh, that are that are part of the community as well. So so a big job. It's a big responsibility. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, and that's uh, that's probably the other part that uh, that sometimes keeps me up at night. Um, but uh, so I'm, so we're back. Um, um, my family and I we were stationed here, uh, and I tell people I got one regret in my career. I've been in in the army now 29 years, uh, and the only regret is that it took me so long to get to Fort Campbell's because yeah. my first assignment was as a brigade commander. I commanded 2nd Brigade, which is the 502nd Infantry here in the 101st, uh, and then stayed on uh, for another year plus uh, to be the chief of staff. Uh, so also a pretty cool call mm-hmm. sign, Strike 6. Uh, oh, that is cool. For 2nd uh, for Brigade. Six. And mm-hmm. then I moved up to be Eagle 5, uh, the chief of staff. And, uh, and then so I left for a few years. Um, went down to uh, what's now uh, Fort Cavazos. Uh, did a few years. Where's down Fort there. Cavazos? Uh, it, it used to be Fort Hood, okay. Texas. Okay. Uh, there yep. at Colleen. It's mm-hmm. now called Fort Cavazos. So I went down there to be the Corps Chief of Staff and then serve in First Cavalry Division for a little bit. Um, learned a ton of lessons, uh, uh, certainly being there during uh, a lot of the 
tragedy uh, that occurred down there with yeah. uh, the death of, uh, of a soldier, Vanessa Guillen and, and mm-hmm. others. So learned a ton of lessons while I was there, but then went to the Pentagon for a couple of, uh, couple of years. And then uh, uh, our former chief of staff of the Army, General McConville, a mm-hmm. former Eagle Six, yeah, that's right. Um, about 18 months ago, pulled me into his office and said, hey, what do you want to do next? And like a good soldier, I said, uh, sir, I'll do whatever the Army wants me to do. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> good answer. And then he said, uh, he said, well, how would you like to be Eagle Six? And as you can probably already tell just from this morning, I am rarely at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he said that, uh, I was stunned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunned. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that I'd have this opportunity to be able to come back here and kind of walk in the in the footsteps of giants uh, to be Eagle Six. Man, that that is a that is a fact. And when you got here, you didn't get to just go in, sit in a cushy chair, and relax. You had something big happen, like right when you got here. Yeah, one week later. Um, uh, a blessing from my predecessor was uh, <laughs> was what we call uh, Operation Lethal Eagle. Uh, mm-hmm. And Lethal Eagle is where we take the entire division out to the field for 21 days. Oh, yes, I remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 21 days mm-hmm. uh, living out there. And, um, and, and certainly, you know, uh, as with anything, there are those people, there, there, there are those critics that are out there. But, uh, but I'm a huge fan of, of that, that concept of going out there, living out there, 21 mm-hmm. consecutive days being out there in the field during what was uh, some pretty harsh environmental conditions. It was hot. It was hot. It was hot. And there were a lot of storms that rolled through yes. during that time as well. Yes. And, uh, and so I tell people, you know, you got to do that, right? You have to go out there. You got to live out mm-hmm. there because uh, in order to get better at hard things, uh, you have to do hard things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's one of them. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, I joked with some other people uh, before and said, you know, a lot of times people will go to the field, you come into work on Monday, you come home on a Friday. Um, you know, the bottom line is you can live out of your cargo pockets right. you know, for, for five days. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you know, you, all you're worried about is did I pack enough monsters, you know, to, to get me through, uh, get me through my time. But 21 days out there in the field, you are asking truly existential questions like, can I really wear this underwear one more day. Yeah. Oh, I love right. that. Right? You the know. answer's no. If you have to ask yourself, <laughs> the right. answer's no. Yeah, I've already turned it inside out twice, yeah. you know. So, yeah. If you uh, yeah. wonder, the answer's yeah. no. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Existential questions. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your family. Are they excited to be back in Clarksville? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have five kids. Oh, um, well, you um, got a bit. You're busy. So uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Lori and I, uh, we've been married for, uh, for 29 years yeah. as well. Got married two days after I graduated. And, um, and, and we have five kids now, um, uh, only one of them, uh, is still in the house that came back mm-hmm. with us. Um, but, uh, last time when we were here, we had, uh, our two oldest graduated from Fort Campbell high school. Oh, that's nice. And so when we came back for the change command, they did all come back and, uh, and for them, it was fun to, to mm-hmm. be here and to, and to drive around and, and, and see kind of their old stomping grounds and, and all. Um, so we do. So we got five kids. Uh, our oldest is uh, 25 uh, and married. Um, uh, so it's four boys and a girl. So mm-hmm. uh, 25-year-old son uh, um, just turned, actually, just a couple of days ago, a, a 24-year-old son, uh, a 22-year-old son uh, who's in England. And then uh, I have a 20-year-old daughter who lives in Northern Virginia. And then we have uh, our 12-year-old. Boy. Oh, you spaced that one out, didn't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> who is still at home with us. What a blessing yes. he is to us. And uh, and yeah, so, uh, so we, are any uh, of them following in their father's footsteps? No, no, we did have uh, we did have one that uh, that that followed for a little while, but uh, mm-hmm. he served for uh, for a few years and then and then got out. Uh, he's one. He lives down in Atlanta. Okay, uh, now, but uh, uh, we, there was a little bit of following uh, in the footsteps, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but unfortunately, they they were unable to. Oh, you probably encouraged them to do whatever they wanted to. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and uh, yeah. Um, Absolutely, and and I think that uh, uh, certainly I had a couple of others that I, I I know would have liked to, but uh, uh, due to some medical uh, requirements, mm-hmm. uh, they were unable uh, to mm. serve. Oh. And so that's uh, that's what I think has probably been harder on them than it has been on me, because I think that in some cases they really wanted to yeah. continue, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be part of this this community, but uh, mm-hmm. but have been unable to. But the interesting thing is that they've all chosen careers. Uh, thus far that um, are either service related or are um, international relations mm-hmm. focused. Uh, and so they, they definitely stay wrapped in the, you know, this type of community. In a service type community. So how many times have you had to move your family? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh, um, we chalked it up and, and uh, this was our 16th. Oh, move. wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't even want to clean up my garage, and and you've had to, you've had to move sixteen times. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife is uh, she is a, not not only a saint but a uh, a logistical uh, master. Because, yeah, that's awesome. well, you would have to be after sixteen times. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But but she also tries to keep us lean and light. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, I I kind of joke that if uh, if I haven't worn something for two weeks, she's uh, donating it out uh, to door. That's right. Yeah. So, so you've got 16 moves, but during that career span, you've had how many deployments, just personally? Yeah. Um, uh, if, we, if we just go with combat deployments and we'll just, you know, stick yeah. there, uh, that makes it a little bit easier. I've got, uh, I've got 60 months of time between Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Wow. Um, that doesn't include uh, earlier on in my career, a couple tours in, in Bosnia, yeah. and, then, uh, and then certainly most recently <clears throat> uh, some time in uh, Eastern Europe. What do you think about that, Katie? Well, I think that she is a saint. That's what I think. That's a lot. That's a lot. Most, most spouses. And it's not all that. It's the five kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of yeah. work. They're, they're, I got they're two, and I thought that was work. They definitely have a lot to uh, lot to handle uh, when they're when they're married to a soldier. So mm-hmm. we do uh, we do appreciate all of the spouses and all they do behind the scenes because. Man, if it wasn't for them and and the garrison folks taking care of the families while you guys are gone, all all that all adds up. Yeah, it's all important. So yeah. So um, jumping forward here, so tell me why the hundred first and Fort Campbell is important to you. Ah, uh, um, you know, lately, uh, um, talking specifically, I, and I, I guess I'll wrap it all up. Um, uh, lately, I've been talking in terms of. Um, you know, four fights uh, uh-huh. that, that, that are important. Um, so, you know, uh, we have to be ready to fight tonight. And, and so what that means is that means that we've got to, you know, build soldiers that are tenacious fighters. We've got to, you know, make empowered leaders and we've got to build disciplined units. And, and, and that is always resonant here uh, in the 101st. The, the second uh, fight that, uh, that I'll talk about is that we've got to fight further, faster, uh, and in the fiercest conditions. Uh, and that is our our lineage, our legacy uh, being um, airborne air assault 
uh, is who we've always been, uh, always at that cutting edge of battle. Uh, as an air assault division, we have more helicopters in our division than any other division in the mm-hmm. Army. Uh, we've, uh, uh, we've always had the, the latest, the, the most current. Um, and what that does, what that allows us to do is to be able to pursue the enemy in places where they think that they have sanctuary. Um, mm-hmm. But being the air assault division, you know, they, they find no respite, you know, because there's a there's an air assault soldier that is relentlessly pursuing them. The third fight uh, is that we have to talk about, you know, we have to be uh, fighting tomorrow's fight today. And that's this modernization innovation. Uh, I talked about us always being at the cutting edge. Uh, in World War II, we were airborne and, and glider. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Korea, Vietnam, we transitioned to helicopters. And then, you know, this is the place where our future vertical lift is going uh, to come yeah. uh, to be part of this. So always staying out front, mm-hmm. always uh, pushing the edge of the technological and tactical envelope. Uh, but then the last part is that uh, we are blessed in that uh, people fight to serve at Fort Campbell. Uh, there that is, is there is a wonderful um, uh, garrison community that we talked about in terms of installation support activities uh, that, are, that are unrivaled. But even more than that is this community. Uh, as you know, Fort Campbell is nestled right there on the border of uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. We like to call it Fort Campbell, Tennessee. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have heard that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think that some people, uh, you know, on post call it uh, Kennessee or Kentucky. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, probably pick, uh, uh-huh. pick your flair. But um, but we have two states, uh, five counties. Yeah. You know, all these communities who um, who who are so welcoming and so inviting uh, that our soldiers. Um, you know, we've got uh, I think it's something like forty five hundred soldiers who, you know, get out of the army, retire, you know, end of their, their service um, every year. Uh, and, and there are um, almost half that will stay in this region mm-hmm. uh, and retire or, or, uh, or get uh, employment here. That is higher than around any other military installation. And that is because I was going to ask you why. Yeah, yeah. This community just pulls us in wraps us in, makes us feel wanted and, and, and invited. And, and it's robust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a great um, just environment in terms of um, absorbing young, skilled workers. Um, and, uh, and it's got uh, great industry and, and, and business here uh, that's always looking for, for new, you know, fresh blood, you know, uh, yeah. you know disciplined yeah. uh, young uh, former service members. And uh, they take them into their ranks and, and they find success here. And so it's that success, in my opinion, that just continues to breed success. Uh, continues iron to, sharper, sharpens iron, right? Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, we, we find it, uh, I think uh, it has been mutually beneficial over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and I no, I agree with that. That's what that's what keeps it going. You know, I think it's easy for our communities to include to include the folks in Kentucky. I mean, we're we're all mm-hmm. friends and we pick on each other, but you know, we support you guys. But you guys in turn support us. I mean, it's a a great relationship. You welcome mm-hmm. us when we come out there and just say, "What can we do for you?" And you guys are very welcoming too. That's what really strengthens that bond. Yeah, and 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 even if you just kind of look at. You know some recent vignettes. Um, as you all know, we had uh, we had tragedy strike uh, at the end of March when we yeah. had those uh, two helicopters crash. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and to see the outpouring of support. First off, just um, just first responders, mm-hmm. just the collaboration and coordination amongst our first responders, your first responders, in order to be able to to, to care for the site. But then the manner in which the community has wrapped their arms around those families, yeah, uh, to honor uh, the the service members' service, but then also to be able to be there to support the families. Um, when extended family members were out of state and needed to, to get back here, there were donations that were made to assist with travel costs, to assist oh, wow, with, that is nice. with transportation and, and all these things, which is, I, I just, I don't find that in other places, uh, but we find it here. I find it interesting that you don't find that in other places, because I guess we're just so used to the people here being welcoming. You just assume everybody's that way. So when people say that it's different, it's just interesting to me that, other people, why wouldn't you be? You know, I don't understand that. Having served at multiple other places, there are always pockets of support mm-hmm. at these other places that I've been. I've I've made great friends in the community who have been wonderful, wonderful supporters. <clears throat> but what I haven't experienced in other places that I've experienced here is such broad, overwhelming, proactive support. Mm-hmm. People who are who are who are going out of their way. Uh, to 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 be there uh, when flights come in of deployed soldiers mm-hmm. at two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. to have people that have no no family member on that flight, and yet they come out yeah. and they're there to to make them, them feel welcome, to make them to to welcome them mm-hmm. home, uh, and and that that piece I think is is hard to is is hard to replicate other places. Well, I feel like you've probably answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, what can these communities do to support Fort Campbell and the soldiers? Um keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is the is the first thing is that um you know, this uh it's not genetic, right? Like it doesn't get passed off as a, you know, as a mm. by birth. Mm-hmm. Uh it's something that that gets <clears throat> cultivated and gets passed on from, you know, from one generation to the next because they see that it's important because those that uh, those people that are talking to them and and spending their time are demonstrating that it's important. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing I'd say is you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, there are a couple of things that we are challenged with. Okay. And uh, and and I have been um, you know talking with other community uh, leaders and members uh, about that. Uh, the first one is is a, you know somewhat easy one. It's uh, spouse employment opportunities. Mm-hmm. We have a spouse employment center on post, uh, which is which is uh, creating the opportunities for employers to meet up uh, with spouses. Um, but it's just not necessarily translating into jobs mm-hmm. in in the numbers that that we think that we'd like to to see. And 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 it's a challenging environment in order to be able to do that because you know we're asking you know spouses to pick up every couple of years mm-hmm. and, and move on. And, and sometimes that's hard for an employer to be willing to make an investment in somebody if they think they're going to be gone in, in a couple of years. Um, I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that mm-hmm. um, in today's environment where we have so many virtual employees. I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. What about work from home? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think that um, um, we now have an opportunity to be able to start a relationship here and then maintain that relationship even if a spouse has to depart because one thing i do find here is that they always come back here yeah they mm-hmm. always come back to fort campbell um and i i was i was talking with a, a non-commissioned officer yesterday uh who was uh he was getting ready to leave 
Mm-hmm. But he specifically chose an assignment that was going to be only one year so that he could leave his family here and come right back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, my family's been here. He says, I haven't necessarily been here. He said, but my family's been here for the last 13 years. And that is because they found great community, great support uh, uh, here. And I'm sure his spouse probably has a has a great job here oh, as well. I'm sure. Well, you know, if the spouse is happy, he's happy too. So I, we know how that works, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, we do. Uh, yeah, my, you know, you were thinking virtual and I have a... A lady that used to work for us as a sales rep, and she was amazing. And they left here and went to Florida. Now they're in Missouri. And I was talking to her the other day, and I, I did. I, I said, I wonder if you could sell online advertising from Missouri because you're close enough. You could come in once a quarter and visit people. So, I mean, the world's changed since yeah. COVID. There's ways to work from home, and you know, it's it's very different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it, you know, so we, we, we do some exit surveys as well for those spouses that um, that don't get employment. And, and we're asking, you know, so what are the barriers? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why were you unable to? And the interesting thing is that 43 um, percent of those spouses said that um, it's access to child care. Mm. Oh, interesting. Is the number yeah. one barrier mm-hmm. yeah. to them being able to to gain employment. And so that's. You know, that's kind of the second big thing that, uh, mm-hmm. that I've been engaging um, the community members on is this concept of, of child care. Um, you know, we've got our own child development centers on post. Um, we actually are going to have to reduce some of the numbers because we're going to be doing some renovations. And so it's a crunch right now. We've yeah. got a waiting list for, of something like 500 kids that's to crazy. get into our child development center. That is crazy. Right. Um, and, and the interesting thing about it is that when I go off post and I ask about it, it's a, it's a similar problem there as well. Mm-hmm. There's a crunch on, yeah. on, on access to childcare just across the board, whether it's on post or off post. Um, but the thing that I've been asking about is, um, you know, being able to, to reduce some of the barriers, um, uh, for people to do in home childcare. Okay. I was, the, yeah, I was going to ask you what the solution was. That makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that uh, that I found out is that you can you know you can take up to like six six children into your home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and if you're willing to do it and you're willing to to do the in home childcare, uh, a spouse uh, who is doing something like that can make as much as a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. there's such a need for it. Oh yeah. So what is the what is the issue with doing that now? What, the rules are. Well, so uh, so I asked him to kind of dig into the history of this, mm-hmm. and uh, so we have 4,500 uh, single family homes on Fort Campbell, mm-hmm. right? So uh, so we got 4,500 homes. Um, about 20 years ago, uh, we had 150 of those homes were open for childcare. Okay. What do you think that number is today? It's definitely less. It's definitely less. We have seven. Oh, wow. We have seven today. And across the Army, across all uh, uh, Army installations, there's only 250. Across the entire Army, when 20 years ago here, just here at this one installation, we had 150. Uh, and so what we find... And 20 years isn't that long of a span of time. Yeah. No, no. And so what we find, and I'm sure it's for, I'm sure it's for all the right reasons, right, to, you know, to protect our children... Uh, we've established a set of rules and regulations that have created such a barrier to entry mm-hmm. that is so high that bureaucratically we just can't get yeah. over it. So yeah. it's it's a, it's abysmal rates. It's something like one out of every 20 families who begin the process actually go on to ever take someone into their into their home. 
So when you've got, you know, such a such a bureaucratic yeah. hurdle that you have to get over. Well, so I, I brought this. I had a discussion with some community leaders and asked them because obviously on post, those are federal mm-hmm. uh, constraints that we got to overcome. And they said it's no it's actually not much different off post where the state regulations have done the same, have created such a high mm-hmm. barrier to entry because, I mean, who is it that we want to do these things? These are our young uh, spouses that have energy to chase around six kids. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And in many cases, they're not the kind of people that have the time, the energy, the education, the experience to be able to navigate a, a sophisticated yeah. bureaucratic system. Right. And so they just never make their way through it. And so that's what 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 I'm asking, you know, local community members, I'm mm-hmm. asking my own garrison yeah. team, how are we going to be able to tackle this? as a major challenge for us moving yeah. forward. Well, Katie, I, and uh, sir, I, we've got a child care facility that's just about to start at, at our industrial park, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see much difference in this. And something could be outside of the gate. You know, we'd have to get our state leaders involved in all this, but why couldn't we have a facility like that outside the gates of Fort Campbell for for those people that want to work there too, just like we do in the industrial? Well, it's a park. start, but it's but it's still not the fix. There's, yeah. I mean, when you've got five hundred kids, but you can you know you piece it all together. So yep, there, right. there's a lot of conversations need to be had, but I think we need to look at every And this option. is not the first instance in this situation that I've heard childcare being an issue. It's an issue yeah. across the board for everybody. Right. Right. And I think that, that you know, we, it, it's not one solution or yeah. the other. It's a, it's kind Just, of, a, it's an all of the above, right? All the above. Um, so, mm-hmm. so building more child development yeah. centers and, and employing uh, spouses and, and others in order to be able to run those things, as well as finding ways yeah. to increase the the family child care, that in-home care as well, because there are state regulations that prevent it. Um, uh, I think uh, one of the, and, 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 and I don't want to get it wrong, but, but it's either Kentucky or Tennessee. One of them actually um, allows a, a young uh, military service member, you know, with a lower salary they will compensate them yeah. in order to be able to make the local rates. And so they can take their child to a, to a local child care facility and the government will actually cover the difference in what it costs for them to, yeah. to be able to, mm-hmm. to take that child. I think there's the reciprocity. I actually think it's with Kentucky yeah. and Tennessee yeah. still has to, has to apply for it, I think. See, he's got he's got a lot to work with, Katie. He he's does. got a lot going on. You know, we've got I'm shifting gears a little bit, but we've got we've got Veterans Day coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've got thousands of veterans and their families in our in our communities. What what do you what do you say to our veterans? I mean, how you're gonna be one soon. You know, maybe not too Don't soon. Don't rush him. Not too soon, but you know, what do you say to our veterans as Veterans Day approaches? Um I think that the, the, the first thing that we say is, is the simplest, which is just thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I know that uh, in, in some ways, um, you know, thank you for your service can, can, can sometimes sound trite, but, uh, but at the end of the day, it's always well received. Yeah. Uh, there's never a situation where that is not well received. And so, you know, even as a, as a veteran, right? Um, yeah. You know, someone who has served uh, served abroad. Yeah. Um, uh, it, you know, I I fully understand that. You know, today there's only one percent of our population that is raising their hand in order to be able to say, you know, they will serve. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so on Veterans Day, my call is not just to to say thank you to those that served, um, but is also kind of a you know a call to service uh, to those who are thinking about joining uh, our ranks, uh, those who want to put on the cloth of our nation uh, and be willing to to you know to raise their right hand yes. and say you know I will. Um, that when someone says, "Whom shall I send?" Uh, they say, "Send me." Um, because, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, we, we are growing uh, a lot of them from communities like this, where you know someone or have someone in your family who has served 15%, I think, of uh, this entire community in this area uh, is, a, you know, it, is a veteran of some, of some sort. Uh, and so we have a higher percentage of being able to get other uh, people mm-hmm. who know them to, to serve. Um, but then how about all those other people out there that have no connection to mm-hmm. us? You know, how are we getting the word out uh, to them in order to be able to say, uh, this is a great, this is a great life. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity. Um, you know, uh, in, in some cases, we, I think that we are the best first employer, right? Wow. Yeah. So, so if you want to, you know, start your life out, start your life out right, um, this is a great place to be your, you know, your first place of employment. Yeah. Build some skills. Gain mm-hmm. some experience, see the world, be all you can be, you uh, and then uh, not—it's not for everybody. Yeah, staying yeah. around, being part of this lifestyle, you know, for 29 years uh, is not for everybody, um, and and we don't need it to be for everybody. Um, but yeah. we do. Uh, but we do need plenty of people to give it a shot. Yeah, that's awesome. So this is a random story I was thinking of when you were talk, t- talking about that. My dad was in Vietnam and he passed away 14 years ago. And I'd always thought, well, I really would like to find out more about what it was like for him in the service, but I didn't have any information, you know? So random story. I was going through a suitcase. This is like two months ago. It was full of papers. And I found his discharge papers from Vietnam. I was like, is this, am I looking at this right thing here? We probably use the same form today, the DD-214. I was like, is this like real? But yes, I just took a picture of it and put it back in there so I'd have it so I could figure out what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm I think that that's amazing. I know. Right? You know it, I felt like it was it was such a treasure. I was like, oh, I've been wanting to have some of it because you know they go, well, what's heck? I don't even know the year he was born, really. You know, so yeah. it's like trying it'll to have all his awards listed yeah. on it. Oh, it'll that's have you know, all right there. Kind of yeah. Stuff. yeah. So yeah. I, it was it that's was quite cool. the treasure. Yeah. It was a good moment. Yeah, it's also pretty humbling uh, <laughs> when you think about it uh, because whether you serve for three years, two mm-hmm. years, or whether you serve for twenty nine years, at the end of the day, you're going to walk away with one piece of paper. Yeah. yeah, they captured it all and said, you know, yeah. we're a service member. So it's kind of a great equalizer, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you're whether you're a major general or whether yeah. you're a you know you know you're a specialist. Do you know uh, something else I was thinking, which I think is really amazing for you, because you think about Fort Campbell and the hundred first and the history and the legacy they have. Now you're a part of that history and that legacy. And that to me is um, like you'll when they look at the history and the books, you get to be a part of that. And that is a legacy that you can leave for your children and your grandchildren. And I think that's really cool. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, it is um, fills me with awe. Right? Yeah. yeah, I, I uh, um, uh, there's a hallway that leads down to my office. Uh-huh. And on that hallway, uh, it's got all the pictures of the former uh, commanders. Um, you know, all the way back to our first one, William C. Lee, mm-hmm. uh, but then number two, Maxwell Taylor, uh, who was an icon for for each conflict, you know, uh, through Vietnam. 
Uh, and when you look through there and you see the names, uh, you know, the, the General Campbells, the General Petraeus, mm-hmm. the General McConvilles, you know, uh, you just you just walk down that line and you think my picture That's is awesome. going to be next yeah. to one of theirs. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, and you think, how did, you know, how in the world did I get here? <laughs> um, Your name gets to be in history. And oh, yeah. Man, that's yeah. awesome. It really is. It's, uh-huh. um, it, it is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and humbling all at the same time. Well, that's because you're a good person that you feel humbled by that. So that's right. Is it before we close, is there anything else we haven't touched on that you really would like to share? Oh my goodness. Um, I just, uh, I guess I'll, I'll close with one of the things that we said before. So, you know, maybe it is a little redundant. That's all right. Um, but uh, um, because I know that there are casts of thousands who listen mm. to this podcast. That's right. Uh, That's what we hope. <laughs> uh, I, I do. I want to say thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, thank you to, to this community uh, for welcoming us, uh, you know, welcoming me, welcoming my family uh, and all the other, you know, 30,000 mm-hmm. soldiers and their families. Uh, welcome, uh, welcoming us yeah. home, right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, whether we're here for two or three years or whether we stay here for 30, uh, this uh, this always feels like home whenever we come here. Yeah. And so I just want to thank you all for that. Well, we hope that someday when you do retire that this is your home. I certainly would like that. Oh, I'd like it too. I'd like it too. Well, thank you for being being here with us, and we, we appreciate you. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.